October 9, 2023, my name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ and you go to heaven. Today, we're going to be talking about attacking Israel. And this will likely be the one. This will likely be an episode that cuts. It's going to cut. It's going to offend. It might encourage. I think it will encourage because we're going to read the Bible. But this is going to be the one that we will determine what our first principles are. Because I am about the gospel, I look at the Bible. I've been starting the past couple uh, episodes with Proverbs, whichever one of the day is, like Proverbs 10 for, the, for today. And Proverbs 10 verse 12, hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. By God's grace, we'll bring some love against the hate, and we can see where the conquering gospel is going to be much better than where people are on the issues of Israel and the geopolitical stuff. Before I get going, one of the best ways that you can support me is to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. I call this the win-win-win option. The first win, you get American-made products delivered right to your door. It's vertical manufacturing, which means there's no hazardous chemicals. It's price competitive. The second win is that it is American manufacturing taken away from the globalist companies. And the third win is that you get to support me, my family, the work that I do. God bless. Patriot Switch dot com slash Jaren sign up someone either myself or someone will be in touch and we'll give you more information attacking Israel I want to cover this from a couple different perspectives we will first start with a geopolitical lens we're going to be talking about nations and that type of stuff then I will shift to uh, an American lens I will look at it through the eyes of an American and American politics then we will inevitably go to the religious context because ultimately that is what is at play. I believe that everything is a religious issue. I believe that everything comes down to what you do with the resurrected Savior. What you do with Christ determines how you think. And this is going to be where people get cut. I will not intending to, but I will offend many people and you will probably turn me off forever because of the things that I say today. And Lord willing, by his grace, we will use the Bible to only make sense of the world because this world is crazy and nothing makes sense if you don't start with scripture. But before we go to the Bible, we've already gone to Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12 where we say, hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. That's going to be the theme. That's going to be the proverb that we want to weave in as we analyze what's going on. Over this weekend, there were insurgents, terrorists, Hamas fighters, Palestinians, Arabs that entered, invaded. They infiltrated into Israel. I saw footage of a backhoe or like a, a big machine destroying the barrier fence so that people could pour in. And it was all over the nation of Israel. Now, where I believe that this is the first level of irony is that it started the day of the Yom Kippur War that happened like 50 years ago. In 1973, the same day, October 7, that happened here was the same day that these people are attacking. Now, for those Orthodox Jews that are practicing the what they believe is you know the Old Testament, 
they are in their Shabbat. They're in their Sabbath. And according to their beliefs, according to that idea, you can't do anything. So if Israel is attacked on Shabbat, Israel is almost as though it's religiously vulnerable to that type of attack, which is the first type of analysis that there were people that didn't do anything because of a religious reason, but there were Arabs that invaded Israel because of a religious reason. We'll get to the religious analysis later, but I just wanted to say that the attacks on Israel are not good. And as they're happening, understand where the world starts to take its cue, where the world starts to break itself or divide itself on the nation of Israel. And we're going to dive deep into that topic later whenever we really start cutting. But from the geopolitical lens, you already have Netanyahu, and this came out a couple minutes ago. Axios is reporting that uh, Netanyahu tells Biden, we have to go into Gaza. And it starts out by saying, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told ben, uh, President Biden on Sunday that Israel does not have any choice but to unleash a ground operation in Gaza. We have to go in. The Israeli leader said, according to three Israeli sources, briefed on the call. I don't necessarily disagree. You get that type of attack on the nation of Israel, there needs to be justice. There needs to be a retaliation. And here, Israel isn't going around the world to go police another nation. Israel is literally going into its own territory, the Gaza Strip, which is ironically called the West Bank because it's the West Bank of the Jordan River, which is on the east side of Israel. Remember, I used to think the West Bank was up against the Mediterranean. That's not the case. So the West Bank is on the east side of Israel, but it's on the west side of the Jordan River, which is the boundary between Jordan and uh, Israel. So all of these terrorists, these Arabs, they, they murder, they rape, they kidnap. The videos are horrendous. The loss of life is atrocious. The tragedies are through the roof. I do not want to minimize that at all. From my perspective, whenever I saw it happening, I realized here's a bunch of people who hate Jesus, the Muslims, coming against people who also mostly hate Jesus. Most Israelis don't have a relationship with Jesus. So you got a bunch of non-Christians doing violence against each other. And that's really Proverbs 10.11 or 10.12. Hateth stirreth up strife. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. So you don't have issues involving Christians. You have issues involving not Christians. There's hatred there. Not to say Christians don't have hate and people don't hate Christians. They do. But this issue is predominantly Arab versus, you know, Jew. It's Arab versus Israeli. And they've got really bad blood. And this goes back, you know, a long time. But this geopolitical breakdown is that Israel is being attacked. Now, I believe Israel should be Israel first. I believe that Israel is Israel first. I think that Israel is Israel first to the detriment of America. We'll get into American analysis here soon. But like in 1973, when the Yom Kippur War was launched against Israel, Israel beat everybody in all directions. And they did the same thing in 1967 with the Six-Day War. So I am a proponent of Israel managing its own affairs. I am a proponent of Israel by itself defending itself because she's more than capable of doing so. In fact, whenever Israel goes into Gaza, as they're, they're already doing, it's not going to be a fair fight. It will be overmatch. Is the, the Israeli defense force is overmatch against 
anything Hamas or the Palestinians or the Arabs are using. It's not going to be fair at all. And I don't really care because, yeah, they provoked it. But that's where I get into this. Because there was no prior warning. Not that I could tell. And if the Mossad intelligence agency, which is Israeli intelligence, if they are able to hack people's phones through the Pegasus program, if they are willing and able to buy off American politicians, if they are willing to uh, use national media to go after podunk state Senate candidates in Oklahoma whenever they say Jews need to believe the gospel, if they are able to promote and project that type of influence around the world that says that anything that speaks critical of Israel is anti-Semitic and therefore needs to be canceled, why could they not figure out the multiple breach points and penetrative operation that was about to happen in its own land. That doesn't make sense to me. And it does not make sense to me that the day that it happened, it's Shabbat and literally nobody is going to monitor the radio. No one's going to do that type of analysis. That seems incredibly irresponsible. Like, way irresponsible. And I don't believe it. My personal take is I believe the intelligence agencies are looking for another war, and I believe that they've probably found it. I believe that Ukraine is unpopular. Kevin McCarthy was just ousted as the Speaker of the House, and that was a repudiation of sorts for American money to go to Ukraine. And no sooner than the Speaker is ousted from the Republican majority, who's wearing this, the, the Ukraine thing in his suit, then now you have an attack on Yom Kippur, you have an attack on this nation of Israel, and what does that do? The same people that are using their profile pictures on social media to have the Ukraine flag are now having the Israel flag. And Israel is a much bigger lever in America than Ukraine. If we're just candid, most Americans care more about Israel than they do Ukraine. There are guppies, yuppies, and lemmings who are manipulated to support Ukraine just because they're freaking globalists and their minds are mush. But whenever you dangle Israel in the headlines, there are people that will bite that are political conservatives. Political conservatives won't necessarily go support Ukraine, but now that Israel is in the notion, they will absolutely bite on that. And I'll speak to that later when we start talking about the theological, the, the biblical implications. But already this is having an effect. There's a U.S. carrier group that is already going here. Now, this is actually where, from a geopolitical perspective, it's really going to have an impact on us. Because let's say that if Biden gave Iran $6 billion, he did. If Iran then turned around and funded this attack, I don't know if they did or not. That's absolutely suspicious. But let's say that Iran did do this. If Iran then goes and takes the Strait of Ormuz which is that little amount of room between Yemen and Iran, that little group, that little amount of um, uh, water that goes into the Persian Gulf all the way up into Iraq, if they mine that and prevent people from coming in, that's choking off a fifth of the world's oil exports. Just a massive amount of oil goes in and out and through the Persian Gulf. This is that... Um, this is that trope that people go, that, that Americans have gotten into war in the Middle East because of oil concerns. So that's going to have an impact on America because energy prices are going to go up as the supply goes down. Which if you think about it from Biden's perspective, I don't think that he's cognizant. I don't think that he's the one that's making decisions. 
Obama, Intel agencies, somebody's making the decisions for Biden. They've nearly depleted America's strategic oil reserves. And now you have an emerging, escalating military action in the Middle East where Iran is deliberately involved. That is going to spike energy prices. And because the godless commies in America have prevented us from doing new oil drilling or we've tried to go green with our stupid climate change fears, we have handicapped ourselves and we aren't using our own resources, which means that when these geopolitical issues happen, it's sold to America, hey, we have to go do this. We have to go solve this problem so that you don't pay more money at the gas pump. And because that is a pain point, because Americans can't fill up their tanks with gas because it costs a lot, Americans in their pain will say, yeah, go solve it to fix this problem here. And the issue that I have with that is that instead of us leaning forward, learning the fundamental law and doing our own self-governance, instead of us doing live local, instead of us doing those things, we focus on the headline, the headline, the radical left is destroying the country. And as a result, we put ourselves in these emotionally vulnerable positions. And when the headlines come in and our emotions are provoked, we find ourselves in bad governance, not because we've done anything about it, but precisely because we are being led around like someone has a hook in our jaw. The American people are so distracted and as a result of that, when bad things happen overseas, it makes me think that the American intelligence agencies are in on it, knowing that they can cripple the economy or they can tug the, the, the emotional heartstrings. They can see that, that video of that one German uh, woman, that German Jew who is in Israel for a music festival. They can see that and be like, oh, that's horrible. And it is. It is a tragedy, but you understand if you just said that there were 300 Israelis killed, okay, well, that's, that's not good. But if you show a young, attractive woman in the back of a pickup and a bunch of freaking jihadis, like, touching on her and ravaging her, that will spark emotion. That will spark hate. That will spark anger. And that can be manipulated. That can be led to destruction. That can be channeled into bigger, badder, horrible things. The Saudis have already said that they're going to stop all um, talks. This is from Megatron on uh, Twitter. But this says, Saudi Arabia ends, quote, all negotiations on normalization with Israel. Saudi Arabia has informed the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, that is, quote, ending all negotiations on normalizing relationships with, uh, with Israel, reports from the Israeli newspaper, the Jerusalem Post, echoed by the Saudi media outlet, the Saudi Post, published in the United States. So already right here, you've got Saudi Arabia, which is, you know, the, the, the heart of Islam. That's where Mecca is. That's where Medina is. Saudi Arabia is looked at as the leader of the Muslim world because that's the, that's the Muslim holy land, which is ironic because Muhammad was never up in Jerusalem. He just had a stupid dream that I don't think was real. He had a dream that he was in, in Jerusalem. And so there, that's why Muslims claim Jerusalem is a holy land. No, dude, you weren't even there. <laughs> You weren't even there. But Saudi Arabia, I believe, is going to be looking to consolidate the uh, Middle Eastern Arab nations as a counter to America and the petrodollar. 
Saudi Arabia has already signaled that it's going to do the de-dollarization. It's going to orient and start moving towards BRICS. And it's going to start doing these types of things because it's just not on board anymore. OPEC is not on board with the U.S. dollar. They're not going to back it anymore. So now you've got this conflict in Israel. And the only reason that Saudi Arabia was yoking with Israel or normalizing relations with Israel is because of Trump and the Abraham Accords that were basically like a big stick to the Middle East and bringing everybody to the table. And now you have that falling apart. So you've got the fracturing and the fraying of these relationships. And as that's looking at it, you have to look, well, what's Saudi Arabia's interest? If Saudi Arabia is against the normalization of ties with Israel, then Saudi Arabia could, and I'm not saying that they would like this, but Saudi Arabia could have a cooperative agreement with Iran, which doesn't make sense because Iran are Shia, uh, majority Shia Muslims, and Saudi Arabia is majority Sunni Muslims, and they hate each other. But... There's Jews over here. So these Muslims can yoke together for the time being so they can go hate on the Jews, which we'll get into in the religious part of this. But that's what's going on. And then if you are in actually Israel right now, there's clashes going on in the streets. Watch this. Yeah, my heart goes to the people that live there, the vulnerable people, the in- innocent people. When this type of lawlessness happens, there's really no response. This is where migrations start happening. This is where refugees start uh, dr- getting drummed up. And, you know, as I put on Twitter and as I put on Telegram over the weekend, this seems like it would be a justification to mass import Arabs from Palestine to the United States. Don't don't lose track of that. Don't lose track of the fact that the instability in the Middle East will get the bleeding hearts here in America to say, well, we need them over here. Use our tax money to put them on a boat or a plane or a ship or whatever and get them here pronto. Don't doubt me when I say that. It's absolutely going to happen. And there will be people, there will be people in Jewish power who support the state of Israel who will absolutely support the migration of Muslims away from their state, away from where they live, to the United States because they don't care about the United States. They are Israel first. There's other things, and this is a video of Israel from this morning. Go ahead. This is just Israel bombing Gaza. The, I mean, Israel is going to be bombing Gaza in retaliation for what happened. So uh, as this happens, there's going to be more that are killed. Expect the emotional pictures. Expect, expect the, the rift and the divide just to widen. Because every one of those bombs is going to put kids or women or children or whatever at risk. And we're going up against <laughs> the people involved are the types of folks that will put bombs on their kids. So the people involved will absolutely call their military headquarters a church or a mosque or a hospital or a school 
And that way, when Israel bombs them, they, you know, the, the Arabs that get bombed will be able to say, oh, that was a school. That was a, that was a hospital. And they'll be able to show all the dead kids. This is going to get a lot worse. This is going to get a lot worse. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. There's no love in this perspective. There's zero. Now, some people have said to me, well, Jaron, are they just not supposed to do anything? No, I believe that Israel can defend itself, which I believe that the non, um, I believe that the observance of Shabbat where you don't defend yourself would actually go against what God teaches. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's the case. I mean, if God gives you your family and then your, your enemy is going to attack when he believes that you're weak, you're supposed to be the watchman on the wall. So I, I, I don't buy that notion that you can't defend yourself on, um, on Shabbat or Sabbath or whatever. I mean, it was Jesus that said, um, you know, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus says, uh, shall we not do good on the Sabbath? Is it good to let your family be destroyed or your women raped or people kidnapped on, Sh on Shabbat, on Sabbath? Which, which one is good? Is it good to not do anything while your women are raped or kidnapped? Or is it good to like fight the evil guys who are trying to rape and kidnap your women because they've invaded your homes because they expect you to do nothing? Which one is it? This is where people, this is where I, you know, people have to understand who God is and what his heart is. You can take the, the reading of the law, but if you twist it because you no longer focus or have a heart for God... It's just clanging symbols, man. It's just clanging symbols. All right, I wanna, I wanna shift if I can to the political analysis for America. The first thing that I will say is that Google is doing stuff like this. Google is showing these types of things. This is supposed to be Jewish land, Palestinian land. It shows 1946 up until the present. And it shows over time how Palestine shrunk. Now, I don't think Palestine's a place. I don't think Palestine's a nation. I don't think Palestine's a people. I think it was Arabs. And I think in the 1940s, during World War II, they weren't functioning as a nation. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that that's the case. So when Google is changing words to say Palestine, that is a subtle, tacit reframing of what is true. When you recognize that, that if you can just... And, and people will believe that. When you recognize if someone just calls something a thing, but that doesn't mean that it's true. But if you believe it because someone else says it, now you know why people say it. And if Google, and they are, starting to use these images to reframe and call places Palestine, what that's doing, it's giving credence to the fact that Palestine is a nation. But Palestine is not a people and it's not a nation. It's not. It's a bunch of Arabs that live in that place. They have rights. I believe that they should be self-governing. Amen. But the nation of Israel is not competing with a nation of Palestine. It's, that's a hoax. It's a Marxist hoax. It's used to generate the strife. Proverbs 10 verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all things. If you were just to say that this is the state of Israel and there was no more debate, then you couldn't really use Israel as the hook in the Middle East to generate a bunch of war and strife and chaos in the military-industrial complex. When Eisenhower left political office in 1960, 
1959, he was warning about the military-industrial complex. And that was before all of these big, you know, spats in the Middle East. It wasn't until after that you really started getting the geopolitical interests into Israel from a military perspective. And then those were always able to be, uh, you know, extrapolated and magnified and exaggerated. It's not good. Now, I will say, and this is where my political analysis is, American political conservatives, I'll just talk about my own people, my own conservative people. We have been, many of us have been made to be stupid. I'm not even going to talk about the radical left. I am, however, talking about a sizable portion of America that is so driven by hate they do not think about what they say and they don't really think about stuff. I'm about to show you a video. I will not play the audio. But just know that the man who's pointing to the TV every single time his uh, hand goes like this, he's saying a form of the F word. Either ending in I-N-G or E-D or just, you know, the basic F word. I play this to show how some people are so triggered, they're so prone to anger that they don't love the Lord. And so because they don't have love that covers sins, they have anger and hatred that brings up strife. If you understand that the media knows this, that the people running the media know this, then the people in the media would continue to present their information, not based on truth, but based on the emotional outcome of the people. Let me give you the phrase. Go ahead. What's uh, Where are we at? Watch this. Remember, every single time he's doing this, he's saying the F word. Watch. Look at that. America flags. He's watching uh, a TikTok video on Fox News. Um, this is Biden saying, you know, you are the fin finest fighting force to the military. And the guy is just railing against him. And then he flips him off. Just flips him off at the end. Now... That could be staged. The guy could be making a, a TikTok video and be funny. I doubt it. I think that there are people who are that emotionally triggered. I believe that because the media knows that there are people that get that emotionally triggered, they can use things knowing that they will emotionally trigger people to give up their thought process and just be mad. Now, the Israelis that saw their countrymen killed and murdered and butchered and, and kidnapped and raped... That's wrong. That's evil. And so they have righteous anger. But you have to understand, if the intel didn't know anything, if it was planned for a day where the IDF wasn't doing anything, and now you could understand that Israelis would be mad when they saw it, what would be the response knowing that you're going to do an attack against Israel in this regard? Anger. And that's, I believe, that's why they do it. This is the Hegelian plan. It's the Action, reaction, counteraction. What the godless commies plan for is the counteraction or the solution, right? You make the problem, then you present the problem knowing what the solution is going to be. In this case, you stir up the strife using the hatred of Arabs versus Jews. You have the Arabs versus Jews attack the Jews, attack Israel. Israel gets attacked, Israel gets mad, and then what are they going to do? We want to go fight. Of course you want to go fight. Of course you want to go fight. And then at that point, you've just hit the dominoes and they've all started falling.
So this guy is an American saying F you to Joe Biden. From a political perspective, this is all based on the Balfour Declaration. This is November 2nd, 1917. Dear Lord Rothschild. This is given by a British uh, politician named Balfour. And he's writing the Rothschilds. I have much pleasure in conveying to you, on behalf of His Majesty's government, the following declaration of sympathy with Jewish Zionist aspirations, which has been submitted to and approved by the cabinet. So this is a British official writing um, the Rothschilds, which the Rothschilds aren't even British. That's a German last name. It means Red Shield. His Majesty's government view with the favor of establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. This was written in 1917. At the out and the end of the World War I, you have a British official writing the Rothschilds saying that they're going to use the British government to do what? use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object, it being clearly understood that nothing shall be done which may prejudice the civil and religious rights of existing non-Jewish communities in Palestine or the rights of political status enjoyed by Jews in any other countries. I should be grateful if you would bring this declaration to the knowledge of the Zionist Federation. And this is just going to trigger a lot of people. Jewish power is a real thing. It absolutely is a real thing. Now, I believe that the gospel power and the Bible power is way much more powerful, and we'll get to that here in a second. But understand the politics that's involved. The Rothschilds are worth a lot of money. They own the central bank. They own the Federal Reserve. They own the money supply. In fact, that was a quote from one of the first Rothschilds. He's like, I don't care about the politicians. I care about the money. Give me ownership of the money and I will show you what the politicians will say. And so this goes back down to, I believe, our dollar, our fiat currency that's not worth anything, which is interesting whenever RFK Jr. says things like this. Fiat currency was created in order to enable nations to go to war without levying the taxes uh, outright on populations. Right. The, 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 the population still pays for pays through a stealth tax called inflation. Right. But fiat currency was invented long before the Fed. Right. And it was invented at the outset from the beginning in order to fund the cause of war. Right. I, I don't disagree. I think that whenever you recognize Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, that you can't serve God and money, it would be of the devil to figure out how to manipulate the money, control the money, so that you can function as God on earth. That makes sense in my mind. It's evil, but it makes sense. And so if you look at these Rothschilds, who are Jews, call themselves Jews, they don't believe the Old Testament. Jews who, who read the Talmud aren't biblical Jews. They're, they're not Jews that the Bible teaches about because the Talmud is like the New Testament for the Old Testament, but written by Satan because it's trying to explain away who Jesus is when the Old Testament points to Christ. When the Old Testament has theophanies or has prophecies about the Christ, and they have to happen and did happen in Christ at in the first century, then the Talmud, which was written after, is trying to reverse engineer the meaning of Scripture so that no Jew today, no Jew today, will read the Bible and see Jesus, which will continue to harden their heart. 
right? So the politics in America are heavily influenced by Jewish money, Jewish power, media. That's true. People will say that that's anti-Semitic. It's not anti-Semitic to say that the Jews have influence and power. They absolutely do. What's anti-Semitic is to think that because they have that power, they have to be defeated. I don't care to defeat them insofar as I want the gospel preached because I think the wisdom of God, as we saw in the unveiling of the common law and the, the way that our government functions, if you understood the common law, if you understood your fundamental law, if you understood your fundamental rights, Jewish power is nothing to you. Because your rights in the common law cut straight through anything that the Jewish power would bring against you. And so if you go to our verse, Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. If you have a power epistemology, if your politics is a he or she, an us versus them, if it's Marxist in nature, if it's, it's, if it's um, what's it, proletariat and bourgeoisie, if it's the haves and the have-nots, then you are always going to be in a seesaw or a tug of war. I don't look at it like that at all. I look at it as, if I don't like this, let me submit it to Christ. And Christ's wisdom is going to be able to provide a better way to solve things. And I believe when you recognize that the common law has maxims, and one of the maxims is the Christian religion is part of the common law, period. That takes care of all these propagandists, all these political um, uh, purposes, perverting the kids, like all of those things from a moral perspective are, are destroyed by this common law maxim. The Christian religion is part of the common law. That which is against divine law is repugnant to society and is void. There was once a time when Christians didn't give a crap about the state of Israel or Jews. They didn't care about the church in Rome. They didn't care about the Muslims. What did they do? They built their understanding on the Bible. And when they built their understanding on the Bible, they created nations and governments and laws and systems of justice based on what the Bible teaches without considering Judaism or Roman Catholicism or any of these things. That's called the common law. That's a Christian perspective. That's a Christian way of government. And that's what is governing America. But we don't know it because think about this. Before I just told you that, you're looking at the Jewish power influencing and buying off politicians going, well, they've got the media and they've got the banks and they're buying off the politicians. That is, if, of course, you're, you're honest with yourself. There will be people that will say, well, that's anti-Semitic to point. It's not anti-Semitic. They're successful. They use their success to take care of themselves. That's not hateful. Hateful would be to say, because they are successful and because they take care of themselves, we have to defeat them. Well, I look at that and I say, let's do what the Bible says and they're irrelevant. Let's do what our fundamental law is and what they want, we will crush like that. By law, by right, by God. It's already in the constitutions. Judaism isn't in the constitutions. Roman Catholicism is not in the constitutions. Islam is not in the constitutions. Christianity, as the Bible teaches, is in the constitutions. This is a Christian nation. And when Christians read the Bible, 
When they, when they, you know, the, uh, the hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Why am I going to look to these groups and hate them when the gospel is to save them and Jesus wants them to go to heaven and I am going to look at what they're doing and try to do what they're doing better? No. That's playing by their rules and their rules aren't his rules. We're going to go with what the Bible says. We're not going to be cursing at the TV letting our emotions control us, being driven by anger and hate, because if you're driven by anger or hate, you look like a freaking moron, like this guy. That guy is driven by anger and hate. That guy's anger and hate will not help America. That guy's anger and hate will not help his family. That guy doesn't read old authors. That guy doesn't know his rights. That guy doesn't know the fundamental law. That guy has nothing but anger and hate, which looks exactly like this. Now that is institutionalized, religiously sanctioned hate. And none of those people know Jesus. None of those people are Christians. None of those people doing those things are saved. And none of them are going to go to heaven. So as I shift into the religious lens, we have to understand that what you do with the resurrected Christ determines your salvation. If you believe him, you believe the gospel, amen. If you don't, you're going to go to hell. That's the clear teaching of the Bible. That's what Jesus taught. But here you have people that are Jews and Arabs, Jews and Muslims. They don't believe the gospel. In the eyes of the Bible, in the eyes of, the Christ, of, of Christ, they're all fallen. They're all lost. Every single last one of them. If American, if, if I shall just say, if Christians don't think like that, then we start with a different starting point. We don't start with the Bible. We start with not the Bible. Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 30. Now, this is where we're going to get a little bit of preachy, but we have to, we have to connect it to the Bible because if we don't, we, go, we get to be that old man. We get to be these people, and there's no solution there. There's none. Matthew 12, verse 30. He that is not with me, Christ, is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Those are Christ's categories. Christ 
or not Christ. Christ or not Christ. We will come back to that frequently for the next couple minutes. So that religious hatred, there's no solution there. The only solution is the gospel. Now you might not think because of your beliefs, and this is where I'm going to really start cutting, right? I'm really going to start cutting here. You might think because of what someone has taught you or what you've heard or what you think the Bible says, you may have a man-made doctrine that sees the video we just saw with the Jews and the Arabs hating each other, and you may think, well, the only thing that solves that is, is Christ's return. You might think, well, the church has to be raptured up, and then things have to be horrible, and then Jesus comes back and just destroys everything. If you have that in your head, Jesus says, He is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Christ's categories are his people, or are with him, or not with him. And if you hold to this idea that the church is going to be raptured out, and that the world is going to be chaotic and horrible, I want to plead with you. I want to look at what the Bible says. And just very simply, I want to go to Romans chapter 9 if I can. If I go to Romans chapter 9, I want to look at what it means to be Israel. Because right now, people today believe that Israel today is Israel of the Old Testament. And I want to show you in the Bible how the Bible will use this. And if you don't use the Bible, you will be swayed. And I'm going to show you two pastors, Greg Locke and Jack Hibbs. We will cover Greg Locke and Jack Hibbs by God's grace shortly, but I want to start with Romans 9. Because you need to see it in the Bible before you hear Jaron say anything, before you hear your favorite pastor say anything, before you hear your ears getting tickled, you need to read the Bible. I want to start, if I can, where's this? Okay, I want to start with Romans 9. Romans 9, and we want to do this. Verse, uh, verse 5. So this is Romans 9, verse 5. Whose are the fathers and whom are concerning the flesh Christ came, who is all over? God bless them forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Stop. This is literally saying, just because they are bloodline descendant, just because their flesh and blood has the blood of Abraham does not mean they are Israel. Let me read that again. This reads, For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. You can be blood, flesh, descendant of Abraham and not be Israel. Do you see that? For they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, right? They are not all Israel, which are Israel, which means you can be children of the flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. This means that just because someone says Israel does not mean it is Israel. Plain reading. Just because you say that you're bloodline descendant from Abraham 
does not mean that you are Israel that the Bible talks about of having a promise to. The Bible makes a prom. God makes a promise to Israel. Your descendants will be as many as the stars. And people read the Bible to say that is Israel. But the Bible here in Romans 9 is telling you just because you say you're of Israel doesn't mean you're of Israel. Let's go back if we can. We'll come back there. Let's go back to uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And I want to let Jesus talk about this. I want to let Jesus talk about this. Here we go. This is John chapter 8. Um, let's do, uh, da, 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 let's do, um, Jesus is verse 34, John eight, right? Uh, let's, let's go John 30. Uh, let's go John 30, right? As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then, then said Jesus to those Jews, which believed on him. If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Now notice, these are blood descendants of Abraham who have never been in bondage, which means that they are being prosperous. They're, they're, they're not slaves. They've never, they don't count themselves in slaves. Which you might think, well, they were occupied by Rome. Whoa, hold on. The Jews answering Jesus were telling him they've never been in bondage. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. You see how Jesus' issue is that of sin. It's that of the heart. It's not of blood descendant. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If you are of God, if you are actually God's son, you're going to abide with him, right? If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed. This is Jesus literally telling these Jews, I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father and ye do that which in... Uh, have seen with your father. So there's two different fathers. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we be not born of fornication, but we have one father even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth from forth and come from God. Neither came I or myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye of your father the devil. These are blood descendants of Abraham. These are Jews who are of their father the devil. And, your, and the lusts of your father ye will do. Who are the lusts of his father? Let's go back, or let's go forward real fast. To John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh, cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So in John 8, when Jesus is telling them that they do the lusts of their father, what are they doing? To steal, to kill, and destroy. How do we know that? Because he just says that they would kill him. Right? They want to kill him. Why does this matter? Because not everyone who says they're a Jew is a Jew. Not everyone who says that they uh, are Israel are Israel. People today say the state of Israel is the Israel of the Old Testament. The Bible says that the Israel of the Old Testament didn't even mean that Israel was all of Israel, but only Israel of the promise. This means, and Jesus just said it, this means Jesus saw in the flesh bloodline physical descendants from Abraham. We're not even talking about Jews today. We're like, there are people that are that question the uh, the the familial traces, the bloodlines today. I mean, because when the temple was destroyed, how can any of them prove their bloodline? They can't because that's where all the records were. So we're talking about Jews of that day. In Jesus' day, bloodline descendants from Abraham, and Jesus tells them their father is the devil, which tells you Israel is not blood relation. It is not ethnicity. It is not what people think it is. It's not. I mean, it just is not. So when in Romans 9, Paul says Israel, not all Israel is Israel, that should make you stop and think. It should make you pump the brakes and say, what is the Bible telling me? Because the Bible is telling me that not everyone who calls themselves Israel is Israel. Quite literally. And when Jesus talks to people right in his face, he says, you guys are of Abraham's seed, but you do not have the same father. Because you don't do what Abraham did. This matters because there are American pastors, there are Christian pastors who preach that Israel of this, the state of Israel in the Middle East is the Israel in the Bible. And that's a hoax. That's not true. It's not true. Just because you call something Israel doesn't mean it's Israel. Just because you put the label on it and say it's a Jew doesn't mean it's a Jew. How do you know that? Let's go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 verse 29. The Bible will literally tell you what the what Jew means. Here is Romans 2. Romans 2 verse 29. Let's go verse 28 29. So Romans 2. Romans 2 verse 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. Just just for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly. If you keep all the commandments, that doesn't mean you're a Jew. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. Just because you've received the circumcision, you've cut off the foreskin, does not mean you are a Jew. There is the Bible telling you that. This is the word of God telling you, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. Verse 29, but opposite. So here you have the Bible telling you what a Jew is not. Now you have the opposite, which is the Bible telling you what a Jew is. He is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. 
You have to have your spirit circumcised, your heart circumcised. You have to be born again. If you are not born again, if you don't have the circumcision of your heart, you are not a Jew. Now, modern people will call this replacement theology. This is not replacement theology. This is the fulfillment of God's word. It's fulfillment theology. It's how does God fulfill his word? He just told you in Romans chapter 2 what a Jew was. He just told you in Romans chapter 9 that not all Israel is Israel. Jesus told you in John chapter 8, just because you're blood descendant from Abraham doesn't mean you're actually doing what Abraham does. Just because you're blood descendant from Abraham doesn't mean you're not of the father, your devil, or not of your father, the devil. We have to let the Bible tell us what to think. We don't do that as a people. We don't do that in the American church, which is why we've got rampant abortion, which is why divorce is prevalent. Pornography is one of the greatest cancers for young people. I mean, it, like we have such moral travesties and ills and cancers in our nation because we don't read the Bible to let the Bible tell us what to think. Now, the extrapolation from that is that if you have people that hate each other, modern-day Jews versus Arabs, if you've got that hatred towards each other and there's no gospel there, you're only going to have hate if you go back to our proverb. If you go back to Proverbs, what was it? 10 verse 12. I lost my spot. You go back to Proverbs 10 verse 12. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. If you only have anger and no gospel, you only get anger. If you are a Christian and you look at someone who calls themselves a Jew, or if you look at modern day Israel and you say, those are God's chosen people, you aren't going to tell them that they're going to hell and they have to believe the gospel. You're going to say, God will deliver them. God will help them somehow. God will, you know, the tribulation will come and that is how they're going to come to Christ. And that is, I, I believe that that is such a disservice to the gospel. I think that is negligent of the command, the commission that Jesus gives us. And I think it's irresponsible. Because if you look at the hate that we saw with, with those people, you know, insulting each other and all the bitterness and the viciousness. If you look at that and you say, only Christ can save that after the seven-year tribulation, after the Antichrist, after all that stuff. Then you're not looking at how Christ does things in the Bible. Because Christ conquered the cross. When, when Christ took the cross, he conquered the powers and principalities. Colossians chapter 2. When the Bible says that not all Israel is Israel, it doesn't mean, that means that just because you call something Israel doesn't mean it's Israel. And when the Bible says he that is a Jew is not one outwardly, but one inwardly, you have to think Christ, because he is now risen, we are no longer under the old covenant. We are under the new covenant. And if you think that the old covenant is still in force, let's go to Hebrews chapter eight, and then I'll get to the pastors. I'll get to Pastor Jack Hibbs, and I'll get to uh, I'll get to Greg Locke, and I'll get to uh, Jack Hibbs, and I will show you. I will, my intent there is to show you men that I politically agree with, men that I politically agree with, who say things that need to bend back to the Bible before they just say it to get the approval and the support of their people. That's that will be my intent. 
I believe Jack Hibbs loves the Lord. I believe I believe Greg Locke needs to repent. Um, so here we go. Hebrews chapter 8. If we go to Hebrews chapter 8 and we look at verse, uh, what was it? Uh, 6. So this is Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Right? We got, but now hath he, Christ, obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. And this goes back to Jeremiah 31, 31. So in the Old Testament, there's a promise that there will be a better covenant. Right? Now, why do we want this? Well, because, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. If the old covenant is good, why do you need a second covenant? For finding fault in them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. There it is, the Bible saying that God's making a covenant with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law into their mind. I will write them on their hearts and I will be them to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor uh, and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Right? Verse 13, in that he saith a new covenant, a new one, not the old one with the, with the biblical Israel, not the old one with the biblical Jews. He hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth, which is disappearing, old is ready to vanish away. He got rid of it. He got rid of it. He fulfilled it. And if he didn't fulfill it, then you're repudiating Christ's work. You're saying Christ's covenant is not good enough. And the Bible's telling you it's better than the old. All right, let's get to these uh, these two pastors. Greg Locke, um, I believe, is... Well, uh, I'll just play this. Hold on, let me, let me start. Israel should make the Gaza... Let me stop. Let me go back. So I want to do this. And I bring up myself. Okay, there we go. I will do this to my this okay and then we'll go here all right so let's let's go ahead go ahead israel should make the gaza strip a parking lot by israel should make gaza strip a parking lot luke chapter 9 luke chapter 9 verse 52 luke chapter 9 verse 52 um, and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village in the Samaritans of the Samaritans to make ready for him. Hold on, let me let me just show you. Let me just show you, because you want to see this. There we go. Okay. Luke chapter this is chapter nine, because chapter ten starts there. Luke chapter nine, verse fifty-two. 
and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, Jesus' disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Eli did? So Jesus' disciples wants to rain down fire against people who reject Christ. Right? But he, Christ, turned and rebuked them. And he said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. When Greg Locke says this, Israel should make the Gaza Strip a parking lot by this time next week. He is not talking with the same spirit from the Bible. Period. This is euphemism. It's tongue-in-cheek. The man has never been on a battlefield. He's never taken a man's life. He has no idea what he's saying. He has no idea what he's saying. But you look. His stage is full of Rimfan Star of David flags and a devotion to Israel. I wonder how many donations he gets because he supports the nation of Israel. And I wonder how many people follow him, and we'll see what he says here shortly, because he has tied the current nation of Israel with the ending of the Bible and the return of Jesus Christ. And because he's tied those two things together, there is a motivation for people who have that belief system to support Israel's superiority and dominance because they think that it means Christ will come back. This clipped video was hodgepodge together from a recent sermon of someone who's an atheist. So this is coming from an, this this clipped video was clipped together by someone who hates Jesus. Which means if you have views that the Bible doesn't teach, if you say things the Bible doesn't teach, if you say things that Jesus himself would rebuke, people who hate God will take notice of it. And as a teacher, you are held accountable for your words. And now you're preaching a Christ that the world is taking note of and saying, we don't want none of that. So instead of preaching Luke chapter 9, verse 52 through 55, 56, he's saying, turn Gaza Strip into a parking lot from the comfort of his own tent in Middle Tennessee, where he ain't at risk of all the people that hate each other. Very self-serving. Weak. Destroy the whole thing. And anybody that's going to support this Hamas nonsense. Now, I agree with them there. Hamas is a freaking terrorist organization. Straight up. I, I agree with them there. Listen, Joe Biden ought to be tried for treason. I, I agree. But treason for what? Who are the witnesses? Are we going to talk about the fundamental law and the Constitution? Are we going to say where we can get righteous government? Or are we just going to look at the vengeance against people in power? You understand that? Now, I get it. I get it. I get it. He, Obama's the real president behind him anyhow. And so he's the one that ought to be tried for treason. So I, I hope Netanyahu's a leader and he just mows the whole thing down by this time next week. Yeah. I mean, again, when people, when you kill somebody, for me, it changes you. 
And for him to just flippantly say he needs to mow them down, think about that. Think about that. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Luke chapter 15, verse 7 reads, Luke chapter 15, verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Heaven's calculation is that it rejoices more when one sinner repents than 99 who don't need it. Which means if everyone in Israel were saved, and they're not because they ain't got Jesus, they don't have the gospel. If everyone in Israel is saved, the Bible, Christ's thinking, is that they would want one Hamas, one Arab, one Muslim to repent more than the 99 who are just and don't need to. And yet here's the dude saying that he wants to have Netanyahu mow them all down. Okay. If you pay attention to this man... You ain't hearing Jesus talk. If you think all this open border stuff is not an opportunity for a bunch of Hamas sleeper sales to come into this nation right now and start killing innocent men, women, and children, you have lost your mind. I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. I'm sick of all these Christians saying we ought to have peace with Islam. Islam is a satanic death cult and they would cut your head off before I said amen in this sermon if they had a chance to. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's not the decision of peace or war with Islam. It's the fact that the gospel will conquer everything. There is no competition with Christ. We war not as the world does. We war with divine weapons. Our we the weapons of our warfare pull down strongholds. There's no competition with Islam. There's no competition with Judaism. There's no competition with any other religion. We will, by God, conquer all things because the gospel is what Christ wants to conquer the world. So it's not an issue of making peace with Islam. It's the fact that the gospel will crush them. And when, the when we recognize that as the church... We don't have to go pew, 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 shoot them, blow them up. We can actually be like, you know what? How about we do good self-righteous government, take care of our families, and we become the envy of the world and then start exporting our values, which is why all the nations talk about human rights. Human rights is a Christian idea. And literally every government in the world talks about them. So how does every government in the world talk about human rights when before Christianity happened, they didn't? See, that's how God's wisdom works. God's wisdom will shape and control and, and change things. And it does so gradually because God is outside of time. He's got all the time in the world and plus to change hearts and to conquer creation with the gospel. It's only humans that think we have to do it now. We have to do it now. We got to speed things up. When you recognize that Christ is on the cross or Christ is on the throne and him rising from the grave means that your life is only here to accomplish what he told you to do, it's not for you to know the times. But you notice he's smuggling in times and understanding of the times into his theology. So he's mo he's got a stopwatch in the back of his mind who says we got to get stuff done, which then puts him in a position of pragmatism where he's going to use power and philosophy and solutions to try to make things work.
That's that's not how things go. Keep on. The Muslim religion hates Jewish people to the core of who they are. Agreed. What they ought to do is evacuate up there on the hill and get a great big missile and blow that wicked dome of the rock plumb off of the spot where it's standing right now. Uh, I, I, I agree with that, but look, just because, you know, it's a dome of the rock and it's it's a demonic religion. But notice what he's about to say. Listen to what he's about to say, and this is the key to the whole thing. So we can get that third temple rebuilt and usher in the coming of Jesus. Yeah, that's just, uh, he's he's lost. He's lost. And and for Greg Locke, he's, he, he had sex with his secretary and he married his secretary. And when he married his secretary, he disqualified himself from serving in the pulpit. How do I know that? Well, the book of Titus talks about the people who are supposed to be uh, the overseers of the church. Here we go. Here's uh, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Here's Titus chapter 1. He says, uh, if any be blameless, where are we at? If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, the steward of God, not self-willed, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, no given to filthy lucre, right? Hath been taught that he may be able to abide, uh, may be able to, to by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers right you have to be a husband of one wife why does that matter because the bible says because marriage is an image of christ in the church and if you're going to divorce your wife to have sex with your secretary what does that say about your competence to follow christ let alone lead people who say that they follow him you're leading them astray, and now you're over here saying, we need to shoot everybody and kill everybody. It's like, dude, which Christ do you follow? Do you use the Bible to think about stuff, or do you just use your emotion to think about stuff? And he's he's getting all emotional, he's saying all this stuff, and he's getting riled up, riled up. This is called tickling ears. People's ears are being tickled. We'll finish up here. That video of that woman that survived the Holocaust in a wheelchair, they snatched her up. Kidnapped a Holocaust survivor by somebody with American dollars in their pocket from a corrupt government that should have been smoked out months ago when they stole the election to begin with. Yes, I said it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with them on those things. See, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem. I believe pastors need to be speaking to political issues of the day. I agree with that. But you have to make sure that your political bias and preference first bows to the Bible. In this case, uh, you're supposed to submit to the governing authorities, Romans chapter 13. But in America, the governing authorities are us, the people. Because by God's wisdom, Psalm 149, we have put our kings in chains. We have bound the uh, feet of princes in fetters. By God's wisdom, Christ's wisdom, Christianity is part of the common law. And the common law has made it to where the people have the power so that whenever the people follow Christ, they can self-govern. That's why America has been the envy of the world. That's why we're prosperous. 
We're not prosperous because of the, of the Jews or of the fiat currency. We're not prosperous because of our military. We were prosperous because as a nation, we said Christ is king, the Bible is true, and we are going to trust him, and we're going to do as the Bible says, period. We've lost our way. We get our ears tickled by men that are disqualified from the pulpit, and as they say these things, they're going to say things that you want to hear politically, and then you, in your you know, bad diligence in your bad faithful, in your unfaithful following of Christ, you're not going to take what he says and examine it with scripture. You're going to take what he says and said, no, that makes me feel good. I like it. I'm going to get my ears tickled and you're going to believe it. Let's go to Jack Hibbs. Now, Jack Hibbs, I, I personally like. I personally like Jack Hibbs. I think he's funny. I think... Um, on, and a lot of people are nervous. I, I, I think he's funny. Um, I just, I, he just seems like a very nice man. Greg Locke, um, Greg Locke, I can't get over the fact that, you know, I, I believe he's a showman. I don't know, I don't believe Jack Hibbs is a showman. Uh, obviously, I could be wrong, but my bias, I am more preferential and amenable to Jack Hibbs than I am to Greg Locke. That's just, that, that is just me examining my own heart publicly. But Jack Hibbs says some stuff here that I want to examine. Let's go ahead and do this. And you always know it's nervous time when you turn on the radio and it's, buy gold. <laughs> right? I am so sick of these people telling me this is the best gold company in America. Now, I absolutely agree with him. And I've hammered on promo codes. There's a way to support what I do. The link's in the description below. Amen. Like... This is what I do. This is my ministry. This is my career, whatever. So there's ways that you can help support me. The, the best way is the patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Amen. So I completely get it whenever someone says buy gold because it's speaking about the scarcity. It's speaking about the bad economic times that are coming. And so the subtext of people promoting gold investment is, hey, our dollar's not worth anything. It's about to crash. And when it crashes, you're going to want to have gold. That's how things work. That's how your brain interprets it, which is why people do it. Okay? I, I, I agree with him. I agree with him. But understand, he's got a large church that I'm sure he makes his living off of their donations. So Jack Hibbs is not in a position to where he needs to do promo codes. He's not in a position where he has to pitch products. He's not in a position where he needs to do something in order to get paid other than what he's doing at the church. So understand that I believe and I agree with him that he's making the comment about money influencing messages. I completely understand that. I agree with it. But he's not vulnerable to that. And so because he's not vulnerable to that, he should be able to speak to that. And therein lies the wisdom. If you do what you do for Christ, Christ will bless you. He will provide for you. He will take care of your needs. Because if you're doing it for Christ, you're not going to be stupid with your money. You're not going to be blowing it on casinos or doing stupid stuff. You're going to be taking care of God's business according to what the Bible says. But he's not in a position where he needs to pitch promotion codes or, or products. Just, just keep that in mind. Because he's, 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 I agree with him. He's hitting something that he isn't um, vulnerable to. He, he does not have this vulnerability. If, put it this way. 
if people in his church stopped giving him money and he stopped making money, he would probably start talking about tithing or he'd probably start talking about being faithful to the Lord and giving him something. Now, that's not a dig on Jack Hibbs. That is a truthful thing. Like, hey, if the workman is is working and you're not giving him his wages, you need to give him his wages. So that's a biblical concept. And I would agree with him if he were to do that. I believe preachers you know, are, are underpaid, especially the biblical ones. Because the biblical preachers are going to tell you stuff that you don't want to hear, but that you need to. It's only when folks tickle ears that they got the big mega churches. But just very understand, he's not vulnerable financially to where he has to preach or pitch pr- promo codes or gold. But if the situation was reversed and his people weren't tithing and he wasn't making money, he would probably mention it. Right? Oh, just come on. Listen. Look at look how many people are there. That's 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 a big that's a big crowd. The Bible says in the last days, by the way, there's going to be a trend, and it says that men will heap up to themselves silver and gold for the day of destruction. You can't eat it. So nobody, you can go down to Albertsons and buy a loaf of bread. Really? You gonna lug some gold down to Albertsons? The first time somebody knows you got gold in your pocket, you ain't eating any bread. That's I again. I agree with him. I think it's funny, and he's using humor. I like Jack Hibbs. Understand what he's saying, though. You're going to heap up for yourself gold, and then you're going to go down the Albertsons. Well, think about this. You're going to build up for yourself storehouses of treasure, storehouses of wealth, and then you're going to go and do commerce in the public for something that you needed provision for? When the Bible advocates that you would do things privately. When the Bible advocates, verse uh, 1 Thessalonians Verse, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 10 through 12. Let me just show it because I have been. 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, right? Verse 10 through 12. I'll start in the second part. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, that ye study to be quiet, and that you do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them with, that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing." You're supposed to be self-sufficient. You're supposed to work with the church so that the church takes care of itself. If Jack Hibbs is talking about people having gold going down the store to Albertsons to buy something, what is Jack Hibbs not talking about? Jack Hibbs is not talking about the church taking care of itself. And I think, and this this might be seen as incredibly critical or scrutinizing, that's why I've tried to be very clear about the fact that I like Jack Hibbs, But this is an opportunity I think that American pastors miss. American pastors are looking at the commercialism of Albertsons or Walmart and the availability of things for us to buy. So our commercial mercantile system is a convenience and a blessing. But in these times, he calls in times, I disagree with them there, we have a different view of those things. But if we are looking at these times and we see the fact that people are pushing gold, then the subtext is that times are tough, which means that the Bible needs to be preaching about how we're going to do business with each other. It needs to be preaching about how we're doing live local. It needs to be preaching about how we are going to be taking care of ourselves, our brothers, our sisters, the orphans and widows, because we're taking care of God's people. But he will look at this and say, you're gonna take a lot of gold and go down to the store and say, here's some gold for whatever from Albertsons, and then people will rob you which is true, they would. 
But what if you had a relationship with the church and no one knew that you were going to, and you didn't have to go to Albertsons. No one knew what you had. No one knew where your money was. No one knew what you were able to do. You're now in the private. And whenever you recognize, when you recognize that when Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I should be also. And that's what a church is. When you realize the Constitution says that Congress can't make any law respecting the establishment of a religion, which means no legislation will ever be able to identify what a church is. So if there's two or more of you, that's man-wife, if man-wife are doing all things to the glory of God, then now you are a church. You look it up at the tax exemptions. Every single tax will exempt religious associations. Has to. Has to. When you recognize what you do for God's glory is you being the church and you take a Christ first perspective, a Bible first perspective, that's when you recognize the private membership associations formed for religious purposes are doing religious work whenever it is you do anything that it is that you do. Which means that the stuff you buy isn't for you to turn around and to sell. It's for you to consume in pursuance of the Lord's work. I need food. So why are you going to pay sales tax on food where the sales tax presumes that you're in commerce? I'm not in commerce. I'm taking that food to feed me or my family. And my family is doing things for God's glory as the church is supposed to do. So you can't tax me my sales tax on this product because it's a household good. But see, Jack Hibbs and American pastors haven't been taught what the law is. They haven't been taught where the Bible directly impacted and shaped our government. And because they don't know that, they don't preach that. So when bad times come, they say, and I, I like Jack Hibbs, they make fun of the gold people because, hey, we're pitching some gold and he's not in the position of vulnerability because he's got a big congregation. But what if Jack Hibbs understood what the Bible's talking about, private associations, taking care of the church, live local, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 10 through 12. What about if Jack Hibbs knew that, saw that, had the wisdom to put that together and preached that? Now you've got the church that isn't paying taxes because the church is being what the church is supposed to do. And whenever the church is doing what the church is supposed to be doing, the government can't impact it. Why? Because Congress can't make any law is respecting the establishment of religion. So when you understand that the common law, the maxims say, I'll just, I'll just bring up this maxim real fast. When you say, where's, where's my pen? The maxim of law says, the Christian religion is part of the common law. That which is against divine law is repugnant to society and is void. That's a common law maxim. When you understand these things, you can put them together and recognize the church is how you're supposed to be organizing and directing all of your activities. Everything you're doing is for Christ. Everything. And this connects back to the Jews and the Arabs and Israel and all these other things. If your theology is looking at the nation state of Israel and its existence as an indicator that Christ is returning, then you are going to look at bad times like Jack Hibbs does. And you're not going to get from the scriptures about what to do for it. You're going to say, don't worry, we're about out of here. Keep preaching the gospel, but you're not bringing wisdom. You're only telling people, believe the gospel so you don't go to hell. But in the meantime, you're not saying where Jesus came to give you life and to have life more abundantly. You're not talking about how to have wisdom whenever there's bad. You're not talking about whenever the Proverbs say, 
When the Proverbs say, what was it? Uh, chapter 10, verse 12. Hate, hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. When you love people, you don't have to like them. There's plenty of people I don't like. But when you love them, you're going to have the wisdom to think about how to solve problems except for in a rivalrous dynamic. I don't have to be against you. I'm for Christ. And if you're with Christ, you're not with them. So be holy, call yourself out, be sanctified, and manage your own affairs. And when you do this, you are going to be laying up wealth for your, the children's children. You are going to be taking care of future generations. You are going to be the one who God works through to bless other people because you are looking at his Bible in times of chaos. And looking at the Bible in times of chaos isn't going to get you insults to the people pushing promo codes for gold. It's going to recognize, I need to take care of myself. I need to be lo looking and working with the local church. And I need to be focused on the gospel and not the headlines where people are saying, Israel from the Bible is going to build the third temple. No, 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 no. That's how I see things. It's just <laughs> amongst other things. Anyway, that's that's the point. Uh, I, I hope that makes sense. Um, I just turn this thing off. Uh, the the idea is that there are a lot of things going on in this world that don't make sense, and they don't make sense because this is a fallen world. And because this is a fallen world, when we do not look to Christ, when we do not read our Bibles, when we do not get back to our basics, that's when we get destroyed. There's a lot of devastation. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of destruction and hate in Israel. There's going to be a lot of people that die, and it sucks. But I want the gospel. And I believe that the gospel is so powerful that the hatred and the divisions that are thousands of years old, that are bitter and horrible and, and wretched, I believe that the gospel is so good and Christ is so zealous for his kingdom to grow through the gospel that they will be destroyed. That spirit will be conquered by Christians obeying the gospel, preach or obeying the Bible, preaching the gospel. I, I think that that is the conquer strategy. It is as simple as that. That's what I believe. Friends, if you do not believe the gospel, everything that I talked about doesn't matter because you don't know Christ. There are people right now in Israel or Gaza getting killed who don't know the Lord. And as soon as they get killed, they go to hell. They go to, their, they go to the Lord, right? For it's appointed once a man to die and then comes a judgment. You get no do-overs. There is no such thing as purgatory. There is no halfway. There is no, you're going to be able to argue your way out of things. It does not matter if you are bloodline descendant of a Jew. It does not matter if you do not know Jesus. So believe in Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, and three days later he rose from the grave, according to the scriptures. You believe that you know him. And when you know him, you will obey him. You will be baptized in his name. You will repent of your sin and you will read his scripture so that you can hear his voice so he can tell you what to do, how to think, how to solve problems, how to go to war, how to do all these things. If you don't do that, do you really know him? Do you really believe him? 
believe the gospel, my friends. Appreciate your time, Lord willing. I'll be back uh, tomorrow. I'm going to go to Kentucky to the Ark on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we won't have streams, but I might do stuff like on the Telegram channel. And I might do another Twitter space. We don't know. Um, but the best way that you can do to support me is the PatriotSwitch.com. It's not gold. It's not a gold thing. Um, <laughs> but it is taking the money that you're already spending from on Walmart or whatever, and you're switching it over to American Manufacturing. It's a private membership association, so if you sign up for free, uh, people like me or someone that's working with me will be able to call and say, hey, here's what's going on. Cancel anytime, no hassle, no nothing. If it's not for you, no harm's feeling, uh, no, no bad feelings. Um, there are other links to help me in the description below if that's not a good fit or if you want to do more. I appreciate the people and am very thankful to those who watch, to those who support. Thank you very much for what I do. I want to honor God. I want to be dedicated to what the scripture says. That will put me in conflict with a lot of people. But I hope I do it for the right reasons and I hope I do it in a God-honoring way. I'm not afraid of being, I'm not afraid of dividing with people. Not at all. I'm afraid of dividing with Christ. So I want to do what it is that I do with a heart for him. With the hope and the expectation and the prayer that anyone that I'm saying something to or about would come back to the Lord. Or to know him for the first time. Anyway, appreciate your time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow. I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Don't quit. Go to war.